Well, I bring apologies from Tim this morning, who was due to be here, but is home ill. Give me an all. That was okay. Uh, and, uh, but he has prepared a, a craft for us this morning, uh, which I think the farewells are going to take charge of. Uh, so if you want to come and do some craft just while I'm sharing some stuff, please do make your way to these uh, tables here. It's available for kids of all ages. Uh, it's a really cool little craft. Please do make your way there if you'd like to. Uh, well, this year has been a year of many firsts, hasn't it? Uh, but this Christmas Day was a first of a different kind. How many people watched the King's Speech on the TV this year? How many of you watched it on YouTube? How many people probably will at some point watch it on YouTube? Uh, so yeah, the, the King's Speech for years, his mum, the Queen, has delivered this speech to the nation. Uh, and for years it's been on TV. This is the first time a king has done it. Uh, on TV. I don't know what you, you thought of it. It must have been a, a huge amount of pressure uh, to follow his, his mum, but it was Charles's turn this year. So it got me thinking about first words. Now, I've got a whole bunch of, of first words here that some famous people reportedly, these were the first words they, they ever uttered uh, in their lives. Pencil, home, why, and my personal favourite, don't do that. So let's, uh, let's just see if we can work out who this was. So the first one is the artist Picasso. Apparently, his first word was the Spanish word for pencil. Like, as soon as he was here, he knew he was here to create something, to make something new. Pass me a pencil. Uh, the second one home uh, was, and her name has just completely escaped me, Mary Poppins. Yeah. Julie Andrews, that's the one. Uh, her first word, apparently, was, was home. That's a lovely thought, isn't it? That sense of, of home and, and safety. Why was the director? Apparently he saw some shadows on the wall, and Steven Spielberg's first word was why. It was his favorite word, apparently, as a kid. He wanted to know why the world worked the way it did and why it couldn't be a, another kind of way. And then this last one, don't do that, was amazingly the first words by Russell Brand. Now, this is not somebody normally known for his restraint, uh, but in his literary classic, My Bookie Book, he says that his first words were, don't do that, okay? can we not? Anybody here know what their first words were as a child? What was Nathan? More. That, that makes a lot of sense. It's interesting, though, isn't it, the, the first words that someone offers. So I want to take a moment today just to walk through the first words of Jesus. Now, of course, we don't know what his first word was uh, as a baby, uh, as an infant, but we do have, in each of the Gospels, his first recorded words. And when you put them all together, you get this sort of interesting picture. Uh, so the first time we hear Jesus speak is in the book of Luke. I want to invite you to come with me to ancient Jerusalem. It's a city that is packed with people, it's a festival atmosphere, there's music, there's celebration, there's sacrifice, there's teaching, there's meals going on, there's all kinds of feasts. It's that festival kind of atmosphere. About three times a year, Jerusalem swells to something like four times the size uh, of population because people come for these Jewish festivals. Uh, and we're told that Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, make this commitment every year to go to one of these festivals. Uh, it's the festival of, of Passover, when a perfect lamb 
will be sacrificed for the sin of the people, will be offered uh, for all the mistakes and shame and blame of the people this past year. So it's got to be a perfect Passover lamb. And amazingly, as a youngster, as a 12-year-old, Jesus was there. It must be an incredible thought to imagine that as a 12-year-old, Jesus stood in the temple and watched as a lamb was sacrificed for the sin of the people and thought, one day, I will offer my perfect life for the shame and the blame, the wrong, the mistakes of the whole world. And they're there for this festival. And then, as a large group of people, they would all journeyed back to their various homes. Um, Jewish culture back in the first century was highly traditional, so women traveled with women and men traveled with men. And I, I guess Joseph thought that Jesus was with Mary, and Mary probably thought Jesus was with Joseph. And they go a whole day, and as they're setting up camp on the way home, suddenly they realize we've lost Jesus. Now, that's awful. If you're a parent, you'll know that's, that's awful for any of us. But, of course, for Mary and Joseph, who carried this mission, this must have been devastating. We've lost Jesus. I don't know where you are today with faith. I don't know where you are today with, with Jesus. But it's amazing how far we can go before we realize we've lost Jesus. I wonder what this year has been like for you. If you could sort of mark a trajectory of how your faith has been, your love for Jesus, your life with Jesus, your time with Jesus, uh, how, how, how steady it would be or how it would grow or how it would fluctuate from time to time. I wonder for some of us here today, we've had those shocking moments when we've realized there's been huge chunks of my life that have been quite prayerless. Well, my passion, it just seems to have leaked away. Have you, have you lost Jesus? So they go re racing back, retracing their steps. I guess they went to the similar marketplaces and houses and places that they'd stay, desperately asking people. They don't find him for an entire day. I got no idea if they slept that night at all, but then they go another day, searching the streets, searching their homes, asking, has anybody seen Jesus? Does anybody know where he is? You don't find him for that day. Again, I, I imagine a hugely sleepless night. And on the third day, they think, well, we'd better go to the temple, either to find him or possibly to offer prayer uh, for him. And when they walk in, of course, they're breathless, they're exhausted, they're frustrated. And Jesus is just sat there. And around Jesus are all these teachers of the law. Now, this was festival time, so it's not kind of bog standard. This is like, you know, spring harvest speakers, theologians, brilliant people. And Jesus is sat there talking with them, asking questions, listening, holding his own in this place. And Mary does what any parent would do. She goes tearing over and she takes hold of him and says, how could you do this to us? And Father, I've been looking for you everywhere. And Jesus offers these incredible words. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my Father's house? I had to be here. I can't imagine what it was like for Joseph to hear these words. And Joseph, you are going to 
steward me, you are going to care for me, but my father's house, my father's business is elsewhere. One of Jesus' first recorded words, interestingly, is his home. And Jesus found his home in his father's house. And I wonder if for some of us today, Jesus wants to offer us these words. Why, why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I, I had to be in my father's house? It's interesting to me that to find Jesus, they have to go back to where they left him. And there they rediscover him. And I wonder for some of us today, if the Lord wants to say that to us, come back and do the things you did at first. Rediscover your first love. In the new year, we're going to be starting a, a new series, a Sunday teaching series together. Really excited about it. They're called Lionhearted, uh, based on the life and, and the book of, of Daniel. And I'd love just to offer this invitation, this, this challenge to us today. Will you come and be part of that together? If you're not yet part of a small group, in some way they'll be exploring this book uh, and this theme together. Let's connect together and be a house where we can find Jesus and find the Father together. So that's Luke's gospel. I want to take you now to, to Matthew's gospel. The next time we hear Jesus' first words recorded in, in Matthew's gospel. This time I want to invite you to come with me to the wilderness. To a barren place, a hard place. And there there's a, a man who's called John the Baptist. who's kind of this wild desert nomad kind of guy. Uh, and he's calling people to do something. He's telling them to, to get their lives ready, to get the nation ready, to prepare the way for the Messiah who's going to come. And to those who respond to his message, he offers them a simple invitation. Uh, there's the river Jordan, not far from his feet, and he goes and stands in it. And he says to people, would you come and prepare yourself by plunging into this, by covering yourself? in this hope, in this person, in this truth, in this faith. And just like this water will wash you externally, here's somebody who will come who can wash you internally. And baptism is just such a powerful picture of that, isn't it? And so John is there and he's explaining that one day someone will come and people are, are changing their hearts and lives. And actually, John is so good at this that we read later on in the Gospels a couple of times that when Jesus went somewhere, they knew who he was because of John the Baptist. So he's had a massive impact. And one day he's doing this and somebody, somebody appears there that he's not expecting. Jesus comes to John and says, John, would you, would you baptize me? Now, John's been really clear with people that I must decrease and he must increase. I'm, I'm not worthy, says John, to tie his sandals. How can I baptize you? But Jesus doesn't want to be baptized because he's done anything wrong or because there's anything to clean, but to set an example for us, to, to show the way for us. Interestingly, as John protests, Jesus' first words in this story are, don't do that. Don't, don't fight this, John. Don't, don't resist this. He says to him, let it be so now. It is right for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And so Jesus and John go down into the water, and John baptizes Jesus. And let me read this incredible moment. That as he's coming up out of the water, 
that heaven is open. Now, get your mind around what on earth that means. We often paint it with these bright, brilliant lines of, of light coming around, but heaven is, is open. It's interesting, I, in a way that I don't fully understand, one thing that I've come to know is that obedience opens things. It's things that are distant and, and difficult. When we enter into obedience, are, are opened up to us. John has this vision, as this happens, of a, a dove coming down like the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus and remaining on him. And that's the gift that we're all promised in, in baptism of a new start of a new openness to the things of God, of the power of the Spirit available to us. So again, I want to offer this, this invitation. If, if you've never been baptized and you're thinking about it, this could be your year you know, to step into that, to know something uh, of that openness of God and the power of His Spirit cleansing you and walking with you in, in your life as well. So then Jesus' first words in, in John's Gospel. After this happens, the, the next day, John sees Jesus again. And he's got a group of, of followers now. He's got a group of friends that are with him. And he points at Jesus. He says, there's the Lamb of God, the Passover, the perfect sacrifice who will take away the sin of the world. So some of the disciples of John start following Jesus. And so Jesus notices his a strange thing to be followed, isn't it? Jesus notices that he's being followed, so he stops and he turns to them. And he kind of asks them, why? Why, why are you here? You know, why are you following me? That, that's not the exact phrase. The exact phrase is this, what do you want? And they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? Which was a technical way of asking, can we, can we come with you? Can we be your disciple? And Jesus says, come, and you will see. But the first recorded words of Jesus in John's Gospel are actually a question. That's interesting, isn't it? That Jesus should come, not with all these answers, but sometimes with a question. What do you want? And again, I wonder if those are words that Jesus wants to ask some of us here today. What do you want? I was joking with somebody last night who uh, described themselves as a uber fan of someone called Amanda from a show called The Traitors. And the more they described how much they loved this person, I said, well, there's a line between fan and stalker. And I'm not sure which side of the line that they're on. But it's easy, isn't it, to settle for being a fan of Jesus. Yeah, we gather with the crowds around Jesus. We gather with the entourage. And Jesus sometimes has to ask us, what, what do you want? You know, do you just want to be part of the crowd around me, or do you want to follow me? Do you want to, to know me? Do you want to open your, your life to me? These disciples do. And they go to his house where he's staying. They have time with him. And that's what we're offered with Jesus. He wants time with us. Well, he opens his heart to us, and we open our hearts to him. But is that what, what we want? Maybe that's a great question for us. At a time when loads of people are, are making all kinds of New Year's resolutions that'll last a number of weeks, I'm sure, and gym memberships that'll start and never get used, and we've all done it. But what resolution? What, what do you want? Where do you want to be with Jesus? Interestingly, one of the first people to follow Jesus was uh, a man called Simon, who later on became a man called Peter. 
and towards the end of Jesus' life when he's arrested, uh, we're told that Peter followed at a distance. But that night ends with him weeping bitterly outside the city walls. It's possible, isn't it, for us to follow Jesus, but at a, at a distance. We keep a safe distance. So far, but, but no further. What, what do you want? What do we want from Jesus this year? We're going to be running uh, two things in the new year that I'd love to invite you to be part of. Uh, One is a discipleship group uh, called Bless, which is where we kind of take our our discipleship, our faith apart a little bit and look at it all and look at what it means for us uh, in a kind of a small group setting where we can support each other. And we're going to be running that again this year. We'd love to invite you to be part of that for the first time if you've never done it or for the second time or third time if you've already done it. Uh, We'd love you to be part of it. Uh, The other thing that we're going to be doing is taking time on Sunday evenings, starting in February, uh, to really look at the way. How can we follow Jesus? How can we read the Bible? How can we pray? How can we share our faith? What does that practically look like? I'd love to invite you to be part of that as well. So one, one final one. Luke, Matthew, John, and then Mark's Gospel. Mark's gospel hits the ground running. Mark dispenses with prophecies and stars and stables and all sorts and just launches straight into John the Baptist's ministry and then straight into Jesus' ministry. And along the the banks of the river, along the streets of Jerusalem, we're introduced to a Jesus who goes to people with something new that he's creating. Pass me a pencil. There's an opportunity to be part of something new. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God, the way of God, the rule of God, the hope of God, the truth of God, the kingdom of God has come near. It's no longer up on a mountain somewhere. It's not hidden in a rule book or in a ritual somewhere. It's come near to you. It's available to you. So repent, turn around, change your lives, change your ways, and believe the good news. That's the invitation of Jesus. Sometimes we, we get this all the wrong way around, but it's a, these are words of opportunity. These are words of, of invitation. You can be part of the kingdom of God. And I wonder if these are words that Jesus wants to offer to some of us today for the very first time. Turn around. Believe. Be part of this. The kingdom of God has come near to you. I want us just to take a, a moment this morning to think about where we are on that journey. I'd just love to invite you to pray with me for just a moment. And maybe there are some words that Jesus has spoken that you just want to hold on to. Maybe they're words of challenge as we start this new year. Maybe they're words of a question that Jesus wants to etch on your heart. Maybe they're words of of hope that are going to carry you through this next season. But Lord, we pray that the first words that we hear from you this year, that we would hear them as a king, speaking to his people, inviting us deeper, calling us on. Lord, we we do not want to be in the same place that we were last year. 
We need to be, we want to be, we long to be deeper. Deeper in love with you. Closer to you. More like you. Lord, we thank you that you are a king who speaks. And that as we respond, as we obey, something opens. So Lord, might we respond to you today. To your call. Pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that wherever we are, that you'd be working deep within our hearts and lives to create a hunger to know you more. To create a, a passion for you. So Holy Spirit, as we look to you, we pray that you would come now and ignite our faith, ignite our lives, consume us, God, captivate us, cleanse us, call us, change us. And I pray for all of us that we would know the, the next step. Lord, I thank you for your words that come and you will see. Thank you, Jesus, that there is more to see. That there's more to know. There's more to taste. There's more to grow in. So would you create in us, God, that capacity for more? More of you. More of your ways. More of your power. More of your love. More of your purpose. Lord, we thank you today for all the promise that is in you. We thank you, God, that you are a God of hope and a God of future. We have so much to thank you for, Lord, and we sing today, thank you for saving me. Shall we stand as we sing together?